It's amazing how many decisions we make, right? I, I made I, I made a careful decision about who I was going to marry. I made a very careful decision about how many children I was going to have, what my what my profession was going to be, where I was going to live, the car I'm going to buy, the bed I'm going to buy, the sneakers I was going to wear, the jeans I'm going to wear. The amount of energy that goes into some of these decisions, small and large, are incredible. But for most of us, for whatever reason, how we got here and why we're here eludes us because we're busy. And the death of my son immediately halted my busyness. And it made me think at a level far deeper than I'd ever thought before. Welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast, where knowledge nuggets aren't something you eat, but something you learn. On this week's episode, myself and Kyle sit down with Ohio State head wrestling coach Tom Ryan. And I've got some dogs, so I'm, uh, you know, this is just real life stuff. Right? Love so it. You might hear a dog this barking. Is, this is the underdog. I'll be honest with you. The underdog. I if, love it. If they bark, I may pull that clip and drop it in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I think the, I think the real uh, sounds and a dog bark here and there, I think over a 25 to 35 minute podcast can can uh break it up so you're all good man like i said our whole goal is to have some fun and uh share your story which obviously uh is, was impactful by the way before we get started i listened to uh a couple years ago you spoke at the fellowship church i believe it's like a 36 okay. minute um video i watched and and uh yeah i have i have uh a soon-to-be five-year-old son and then a two-year-old and oh, i wow. was uh i was brought to uh to tears. So anyway, it's, uh, yeah, we, we look you. forward to touching upon the story and I hope, uh, sure. that your story can obviously help some people out there, which I know it has and it will. So I've got a four-year-old and a three-year-old as well. So we're, okay, we're yeah. in the same boat. Yeah. So. You get it. It hit home for it's us. It's hard so. to get it when you can't get it, you know, yeah. when you don't have the, you're not in a situation to get it, but you guys are. So sure. Sure. Cool. All right. Well, let's get rolling. Great to be on the underdog. As I do with all of our episodes, Coach, I you know we we always want to highlight you know that underdog moment or that adverse moment in, in a person's life, and you know for those who may not know, I know a lot of people know your story, but for those who may not know our listeners, um, we we really want to touch upon the events um, back in 2004. You know, you were a coach at Hofstra, um, and it, I believe it was a Monday, February 16th, 2004. Uh, can you take us back to that day and, and the events, the, the tragic events that, that unfolded? Yeah, I would say that like, like most of us, uh, I have, um, through experience, diagnosed my life experience as two types of suffering. There's chosen suffering, which we all understand has great value in our lives. Uh, the things that we, we choose and pick up along the way that are uncomfortable, but we, we ask for them. We want them. Uh, we long for them because we know in the struggle, there's great growth. And then there are things that we pick up along the way that happen to us along the way that I call unchosen suffering. And the events that you know, we're talking about is, are, is, is unchosen suffering. I want to know part of this. I didn't ask for it. I don't think I deserved it, uh, but that didn't matter, right? There are things that, that happened to us that, that happened to us along the way that we just, we have to deal with. And that was on February 16, 2004, for me and my wife. Life was incredible. Uh, you know, as you said, I was coaching at Hofstra. Uh, the team was doing well. You know, we had a, we had a pool in the backyard, right? We had, a, we had air conditioning in the house, right? I don't know about you guys, but I grew up with a, with a window fan. <laughs> and for our listeners that don't know what a window fan is, 
it's just a, it's a fan in the window and And it just blows what it blows. Right. So, so we were toasting to lots of things. My wife and I, you know, we had, we each had our own car and life was good. You know, my, like I said, so we had four wonderful kids, uh, appeared to be all incredibly healthy. And on February 16, 2004, my world changed dramatically the way I see the world. Um, the way I, approach things in many ways changed and it was just ultimately it was a vision correction for me and that was the loss of our five-year-old son to a massive heart attack at the dinner table um, at the time as i said i had four children 11 and eight a five and a three-year-old the first three were boys uh, my son that that passed too early his name was Teague, and he was my good buddy uh and i did not need a lesson in uh Seizing the moment as you raise your children and being there for them and being there with them. But I, but I got, I got a dose of, of unchosen suffering and, um, uh, we're now obviously 16 years removed from that day. Um, and life, life has brought many great things since then. Yeah. And, and, and coach, and I mentioned a little bit before the podcast, you know, watching, some of your different, you know, in-depth uh, pieces of what had occurred. And just, I can't imagine as, as we talked about, you know, soon I have soon to Riley, my son is soon to be five and Crosley soon to be uh, three. And, um, you know, just seeing, you know, I can imagine, like you said, that unchosen suffering of potentially if I lost one of my sons to a heart attack unexpectedly, um, just after a great day, you know, I think you guys had a phenomenal day and, and uh, just to unexpectedly lose one of your kids, um, it just doesn't seem right. And and for me, um, talk about how faith. I thought that was something that uh, you know I've, I'm trying to find my journey, parent in faith as well. And it was really helpful to hear you speak. And maybe someone like myself that you can help, and others listening. How has faith gotten you through? you know, losing your son Teague at five years old and expectedly to a heart attack and, and how did that get you and your family through uh, that adverse moment? Yeah, I heard, I heard someone say once that it's, it's, it's um, modern, modern humans may struggle finding God because they don't look low enough. And I remember for me, you know, I have lost wrestling matches that were really important to me. You know, I lost in the national finals. My team has lost, uh, you know, and those things are really painful, but there's a big difference between, uh, you know, difficult and tragic. And tragic brought me to my knees. And I think the thing that I've learned um, is that truth, truth is so incredibly important in our lives. Just speaking the truth, just hearing the truth, living in the truth. And I think a lot of people struggle in general. One, you got to know what the truth is. So it is never an absolute truth. But uh, for me, the pain that brought me to my knees caused me to simply chase the truth. Now, I had been alive for 36 years before this moment. And I would say that I could say, well, I chased the truth. But, but I was never in bone aching pain like I was then. I had never experienced anything that, um, you know, losing and, and, you know, you know, having a girl break up with you, right. 
uh, struggling with maybe for some relationships in school and just in general, these things are hard on us. But this was like, this was, uh, you had me curled up in a ball. And then, you know, if someone said I'd ever laugh again or enjoy life again, I would have absolutely said no at this time. But I was really after truth. And it wasn't like, okay, God's real. Uh, but what I did was I, I basically, um, I took a piece of paper and on the left side, I wrote God. And on the right side, I wrote no God because I just felt like it's one of the two, right? It's, it's gotta be one of the two, uh, you know, like it just, it seemed very basic to me. And then I pursued with incredible intensity, uh, nearly every free moment of my life to finding the, what the truth is. And that is uh, option one and option two are not in alignment. There are two options. Uh, option one is that ultimately we're here by an incredible accident of a random chance of some occurrence. And option two is the opposite of that, which is that, everything made was God inspired. And then I went on that journey and I studied both. And the more I studied and the more I learned, the more I came to believe that I, I, that God was real, that God was real. And ultimately that's when my life really began. So for someone, you know, you, you, I know this is, to be honest, we didn't know. We talked about like, is this a subject we can bring up? And then obviously talking with Kyle on your staff, uh, he said, you know, this is something you're comfortable speaking about because, you know, you're speaking that truth and you're wanting to help others. But for someone who hasn't had a tragic moment, but is still seeking to find that truth, what advice would you give them to find that truth and, and to, to start that embark on that, that journey? Yeah, I think a lot of us, and I've done this many times in my life, um, you know, we, we work backwards. Right. We set our mind on the conclusion and then we apply the information we get that that move us toward the conclusion that we've already decided upon. And, and I would say that for me in this scenario, and I, it was a clean slate of let me gather information and then see which direction this information moves me toward. So I would say that for anybody, and it's, it's hard to, it's, it was pain. It was the deepest pain that caused me to search, right? Like I said, I was 36 years old. I kind of had a feeling it was a God, you know, I kind of, I like, you know, but when I, when I was on my knees, um, it made me more open-minded. It, it caused me to take some free time that I had and focus it in a, in a direction that would get me to a place where quite frankly, I could just breathe. Right. I mean, I mean, I was in a place where I questioned why I ever had children, right? That's not a good place to be in when you have three on earth. Right. So, so I was so deeply uh, focused on finding the truth. So the first thing that then, then, so, so I simply, cleared my mind of any preconceived thoughts. And that's not easy to do, right? Because we, we, we come with things that through our life we've learned. And I studied 
I studied evolution and I studied God. I went to people that had spent their lives. They poured their lives into this, right? Uh, I mean, when I need my cable fixed, I don't try to fix it. I call cable vision and they come over and they fix someone that's, that's been in it for a long time. So I studied and I learned and I gathered, I, I, it was an information gathering phase. And then just like when we want to buy a new car, we'd go out and we research lots of cars. Ultimately, we got a lot of information. Well, I had a lot of information on evolution that made sense. I had a lot of information on God that made sense. But ultimately, I had to take the information and choose. I didn't just get to leave it there. So I applied the information that I had. And either one, it takes faith, right? It takes faith to think that either one of any of us could evolve from nothing. I mean, that takes an immense amount of faith that we started as a one-celled organism. And then you've got these amazing human beings running on the planet that can love and give and care and hate. Uh, and so I gathered information. And, and you know, it's amazing how many decisions we make, right? I, I, made, I, I made a careful decision about who I was going to marry. I made a very careful decision about how many children I was going to have, what my, what my profession was going to be, where I was going to live, the car I'm going to buy, the bed I'm going to buy, the sneakers I was going to wear, the jeans I'm going to wear. The amount of energy that goes into some of these decisions, small and large, are incredible. But for most of us, for whatever reason, how we got here and why we're here eludes us because we're busy. And the death of my son immediately halted my busyness. And it made me think at a level far deeper than I'd ever thought before. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you just, <clears throat> it's a blessing for me just to do this interview for many reasons. But after I watched your video the other day and, and started engaging the content, I had a rough day coming back from Columbus and I was just finalizing that, uh, you know, that, that speech you had or that con the conversation you were having at the one church. And it just changed my whole perspective. I said, you know, what, what, what really does matter, right, coach? I mean, it was, and then, uh, last night I caught myself on the bed where, uh, the boys wanted to read the book and I'm a big Browns Bengals fan. And I'm like, uh, do I read the book or do I want to be selfish and go uh, watch the beginning of the game? And I, I read the book, The Bad Seed last night. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, but, it, it, you know, maybe previously, I think these are great reminders. There's a reason why to have these conversations. And those are just specific examples that, like you said, when you get busy or you're just not thinking, well, they're going to be here tomorrow. I'll read that book tomorrow or I'll, I'll um, you know, stress about work and, and not, you know, spend the quality time in the evening. So, Anyway, I just wanted to let you know that Teague and yourself have impacted me even short term. So um, appreciate your your, your uh, openness, obviously, on this subject. Yeah, no, my, my pleasure. I'm glad. No, and, and listen, I mean, I, I'm 16 years removed. And listen, I get mad when there's a dog toy on the floor when I come in. I'm human, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, despite the deep pain that I've been through, you know, it's still things. I'm a, I'm a human, right? And, and, and we get distracted. So. Um, but I think that the, the biggest thing is that, you know, we all are dealt burdens along the way, right? And even me choosing to, or you guys choosing to play ball at Miami, right? It was, it, it was now we love it, but it's a burden, right? And, and, and you don't just get to drop burdens along the way, right? You got to own them. And I think that's what leaders do. And that's what people that move, that make a difference in their community, in their homes. 
you carry the things that sometimes you cause and don't cause, and you don't ignore them, and you and you and you and you navigate your way through this life in a responsible way. So, uh, so, so uh, there's a book called um, Inside Out Coaching, and you just released the book um, called Chosen Suffering, and in the book, in the book. Um, Inside Out Coaching, they talk about the difference between transformational and transactional coaches. And your passion that it says is, Coach Ryan's passion is to transform ordinary lives into elite champions. Being a collegiate coach, having your hand on young men um, and just young people daily, how has your approach changed after the passing of Teague? And, you know, what is your approach to, you know, turning these young men into, into elite athletes and then being elite out in the world once they, you know, once they leave Ohio state. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, before, before we lost Teague in 2004, I would consider myself, uh, you know, I love people, right. Losing my son didn't help me, you know, love people anymore. Right. But I think for what it, what it has done is it's allowed me to focus that, that, uh, on the, on the end, Right, so you start back at some point in time, wrestling will be over, life will be over, and when what can I do to lead these guys in a way that um, that challenges thinking as an eighteen to twenty-two year old, which is I'm invincible and this is all that matters right now, and and uh, so you know leadership. You know, to me, the things I really focus on with these guys is one leadership. The, big, the, 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 the strongest facet of leadership is being an example. Right. And I openly share mistakes I've made and, and things I've done, done well and the pains I've had. Um, because I think all of us, uh, we, we're, we're mimickers. Right. I mean, we, 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 we follow the, the people that are closest to us. You know, in the book, A Chosen Suffering, I got a friend from Worcester, Ohio named Jack Miller, and he does a lot of prison ministry. And, and when, he, when he, he, he interviews men and women that are in prison and he asks them, you know, what, um, you know, what, when, did it, when did it start to go wrong, right? Because no, no, no child runs around, right, with the, with the, with the thought of I'm going to be a menace to society, right? I mean, we're, we're, that's not how we think. So, and he said um, 99% of the time the answer is, I started hanging around with this one, this one guy, mm -hmm. you know, I just got a wrong, the wrong person, the wrong crowd. And, uh, so there's just, just the, the, the power of being an example. Um, and I don't know how much, how much I changed from before or after, but I just always, I think, you know, understood that this is very short lived and the lessons that you take from the sport should transfer in your life. And we talked a lot about coach, obviously the unchosen suffering. Can you touch upon a little bit more in depth, the chosen suffering where you said you can really greatly advance. And obviously this kind of touches upon more on the athletic side of your career. Um, meaning in those, once again, that those aren't familiar with coach, I mean, coming from his, uh, playing days at Iowa coaching at Hofstra, and then obviously sustaining excellence and winning a national championship, Mr. Black at Ohio state, at the yes. Ohio state university. Um, can you touch upon, and, and there's so much, I have a mass respect. I remember coming up through high school, uh, we didn't have a, a college, uh, wrestling program at Miami, but in high school, 
see those guys at like uh, like the uh, gym class <laughs> and uh, study halls running around with trash bags and and all sorts of stuff. So that the chosen suffering of trying to cut weight or to uh, obviously the, just the discipline of the sport. Can you touch upon how important chosen suffering in wrestling in your career has been? Yeah. So, I mean, ironically, you know, my deep love was basketball. Okay. Right. So, right. But I got cut in seventh grade. Right. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, when you live in truth, it's like, well, I wasn't going to be in the, you know, uh, you know, the NBA and I, I couldn't hit a baseball. Right. So, so I wasn't going to play in the major league. So I think, you know, we just, we, when you, when, when, as we started the, the, the podcast, and I love the name of the podcast underdog, but uh, you know, you, when you live in reality, uh, it, it, it helps you move forward. And for me, the sport of wrestling, I was aggressive. Uh, I had high energy. I was small, right? So, you know, football, just, I tried football and it's like, I think football players are nuts. Like football players think wrestlers are nuts. I think football players, I mean, running full speed into another human being, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. To me. <laughs> Now put a trash bag on me any day of the week. Do not, <laughs> do not ask me to run full speed into somebody who actually is bigger and stronger than me. And sometimes I don't even know where they're coming from. Right? <laughs> and it could be 30 degrees out. You know, wrestling is pretty simple. It's going to be about 70 degrees in the facility. It's going to be, the, you're going to know where the guy is. He's going to weigh in at the same time you weigh in. He's going to be your size. So wrestling for me, just made a lot of sense. Plus I wasn't that good at anything else. Um, I fell in love with it right away and chosen suffering are just, it's, it's the, it's, you know, it, suffering is such an intense word, right? Because we know we, we right. Suffering, we can so many things we can relate suffering to, right? But suffering, chosen suffering is chosen. It's love, it's passion, it's sacrifice, right? And we all know people and when you climb high in anything, the underdog podcast will do well because you love what you're doing yep. because you enjoy it. Right. And, and, and people can watch what you guys do and, and get a sense of, wow, these guys actually love what they're doing. And it's fun doing the underdog podcast. Right. So wrestling became fun for me as much as it was suffering became fun for me. And it became somewhat of a, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a way I could define myself, right? You're a wrestler, right? So, you know, I, I started wrestling in seventh grade. I fell in love with it. You know, I would attend these camps that were like, you know, like Army Ranger camps. They were, they were four workouts a day for a month. Jay Robinson ran them, a legend in the sport. And I learned the reward, the work-reward relationship, right? The deeper I went, the better I got, and the more unwilling I was to, to surrender. Um. So the chosen sufferings, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I signed a full scholarship to Syracuse University. My brother was there. We were teammates. And then after my second year at Syracuse University, I walked on the University of Iowa. So I packed my car. I drive across the country because I remember thinking to myself, listen, you're, you're, you're going to at some point your career is going to be over. And you do not want to be in a position where you're questioning whether you gave everything you had to this. So when I got to the University of Iowa, I got beat unmercifully. I was a sophomore in college. I got beat up daily. Like if my mom was in the room, she would have definitely pulled me out. There's no way, son, that no, no parent can watch their son get beat up like that. Um, although it's good for me. 
it was good for me. It was, it was, the pain was, was, was valuable in my life and it gave me truth. I needed to get stronger. I needed to be more fit. So chosen suffering is just, you know, the things that along the way I, I put myself in, in the middle of, and it's helped me grow and helped me learn. And I'm grateful for those chosen sufferings. Yeah. And coach, you say that, uh, elite isn't by accident. And I think, you know, you leaving Syracuse and going to Iowa, you know, you taking each step you have, like, I think that's a great knowledge nugget. We always talk about nuggets and you've already dropped a bunch, but here's definitely one for our listeners. You know, elite isn't by accident and and taking, uh, being able to be elite, you have to go and get out of your comfort zone. So you left Syracuse for Iowa, right? You left Hofstra for Ohio state. And I think to be the best, you got to go beat the best. Right. And, uh, that's just, you know, I think that's a great learning lesson for someone that maybe just the transferable skill set, right. Calvin to, to career and Calvin does a lot of internal hiring for us. And it's always, are they willing to come in our organization to take a step above? Cause we're not looking for people just to go, you know, stay in the same, you know, corridor they've been in. It's, it's about becoming elite and that's what we're looking for. And I think that's what most employers, most you know, wrestling programs in college or whatever, you know, industry you're in. So I think that's great for someone, once again, that's engaging in our platform, you know, get outside your comfort zone and know that elite isn't by accident. So sure. No, initiative is so critical, isn't it? I oh mean, my gosh. Yeah. Is, is just one of the elite, you know, the components of the elite, every elite wrestler I've been around, they take notes, they watch video, they move, they, they find solutions, Right. And, uh, you know, initiative, aggression, uh, uh, emotional control, right? All ingredients that I see among the elite. And I, like I said, I, I love the name underdog because, I mean, underdog, like when I think of underdog, I think of an outsider labeling that person as that or that team, right? Yep. It's, it's an outwardly, it's an outward look at something that we don't really know if it if it if it's if it should be labeled that way so 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 like i never viewed myself as an underdog right right? but but anybody watching me would have absolutely viewed me as an as an underdog right like anyone say well he's gonna go to iowa and leave syracuse this guy's stupid right what this guy's what's he thinking i mean but until that i've learned this that right until you know the will of a man right you just don't you don't know. Yeah. Amen for that. Hey, we should actually clip that and make that our, going to. our true North. I mean, I we talk it. about all the time. Cause same thing. We kind of were challenged. Like what's our, you know, what's our North star? Like what, what are we, you know, aspiring this podcast to be? And as you just mentioned, coach, it's at one point, cause I was like, well, how is coach Ryan an underdog? Well, yeah, he, he left Syracuse and went to Iowa. That's a huge underdog moment. Someone that's yeah. facing adversity or, you know, the odds are stacked against coach Ryan or, how do you overcome a life tragic event and go and, and make the most of it? Some people have that choice. Like you said, you have that initiative not to just, you know, go backwards. You went forwards and you're making a difference with your platform. So I think once again, it, it's everyone at one point in our belief and Calvin and Kyle's belief at least is you've been an underdog at one point and I'm sure you have more of those moments, but you know, some of those you just mentioned are obviously significant events in your life Hence, while you're, you've grown in your career after making a, a very bold move as a young man. So, yeah, 
Yeah. When I was in the Iowa wrestling room transferring in there and there were people that were smashing me in there, there's no question <laughs> that I was the underdog, right? There's no question. However, uh, like I tell my team now, I mean, I was a walk-on. Right? I was a walk-on at a team that had won, you know, 21 national championships and won every Big Ten championship that Gable ever coached. And I think he won 26 in a row, Coach Gable. But the thing I think that is most valuable is that I never viewed myself as that, right? I also, I also never allowed wrestling to define me. Right. You know, so, and you know, so speaking of coach Gable, um, on your website, when I was reading about your book, uh, there's something that you guys, that I believe coach Gable, uh, created and you've bought into it, which is the annual training plan. And I saw that it's something that's available for parents and really for anyone. Uh, but I d honestly didn't get a chance to, to really dive into it. Can you touch upon what the annual training plan consists of? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Now, Gable, you know, Gable is like in a John Wooden of, of coaching in terms of you know, the sport of wrestling. Like I said, he won every Big Ten championship he ever coached in. You know, I'm really grateful for Gable because Gable understood suffering, right? And his suffering taught him so many things that he then shared with us, right? You know, he lost his sister to a tragic, uh, she was murdered in the house. Uh, he, 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 then he went on and became, you know, an Olympic champion. No one scored a point in him, on him. He won, I think, 21 national titles and 26 consecutive Big Ten titles. So, so he was someone that had an incredible impact, um, you know, an absolutely incredible impact um, on my life. And he was on a podcast, and they were interviewing him about his, his training plan because his training plan was brilliant. It was as though he lived inside our minds, and he knew when to push and pull back and the timing of when to when, – when, you know, when to run, when to strength and strength, uh, technique. And he was just brilliant that way from a, from, a, from a training standpoint. And they asked him, do you still have a copy of the training plan? Now, he, he said, he said I, no, I don't. I, I think, I think uh, Coach Ryan stole it from me. <laughs> <laughs> now, I didn't steal. So it's comical. And then people heard, his, heard the interview and they were like, we got to get in touch with Coach Ryan. He's got this, <laughs> he's got this training plan from Coach Gee, but we need a copy of it. And I'm like, Coach, I call Coach. I'm like, Coach, that was a handout. You handed that out to the entire team. <laughs> <laughs> but I happened to keep it. It was 30 years later. I, I, I kept it. So I use his, you know, his methods of training. And it's just simply, you know, it's simply a year. It's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a 50,000 foot plan, right? It's not incredibly detailed on, on, on volume and intensity and, and the tinkering of two of those. It's just at each time of the year, in the calendar year, the things that are probably good for you to be doing during that time of the year. And I liked it because it gave me, I like knowing what's coming up. You know, I don't know how you guys were as, 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 as uh, Division One athletes, but I kind of like to know the plan. Like, let me know, like, don't surprise me. I don't like surprises. I don't, I don't, I don't offer too many surprises as a coach. Um, so anyway, yeah, I love that that's that's the story of the 12 phase training program. Yeah. I love the volume and the intensity of 50,000 foot plan. And it, you it, know, it just applies to business. I mean, yeah, it applies to business. We always say, have a plan, work the plan, plan for the unexpected. So yeah, yeah none, of right. us, none of us like the, the unexpected, but it does happen. But like you said, that, that structure. And I think so many times, like you said, 
just getting the the macro versus the micro, as I call it. So like having that 50,000 foot level would be the macro saying, okay, hey, sometimes you got to have, you know, the, the now, right? And then the, 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 the future and trying to figure out how to do that. I think that's a, that's a gray area for a lot of us, but defining that plan and that's great <laughs> 30 years later and then having the discipline yeah. to do it and yeah. execute that. yeah the main thing is yeah you can have a plan but if you don't do anything about it right coach you you don't become a national champion so yeah uh well good i know we're, we're coming towards the end uh here um we before rapid fire i thought there was something we try to make our podcast somewhat timeless but this is something i saw on your twitter that i really loved uh, and just to kind of the mentality of the current state of affairs, which we could be in for a while with the pandemic. You said one one hundredth of my life has now been in quarantine, choosing challenging, healthy burdens to lift when others are taken away is critically important for growth. Life requires suffering to grow. Choose it. Start small, gain confidence and move forward. I just love that. Yeah. Um, can you touch upon that quote and what you uh, wrote there? Yeah, I mean burdens are so important for us that we that we that we throw on our shoulders because they give us a why and they give us a purpose and a meaning to get up in the morning and if and if if those if those and i call them burdens they're they're they're, they're healthy burdens i mean you know you know maybe it's you know you want to be the starting quarterback at the cornerback at the line but you it's a burden that you take on that requires so much work to get there and when that's taken from you it's not an easy thing to manage. So the next thing to do, the only way to manage that is to find another one, right? Find something that will get you up in the morning and, and, and get you going. And for me, it's just been simple things. Like I ruck, which is, you know, I, I, I'll walk, you know, four to 10 miles, depending on the day with a, with a 50 pound vest on. Um, I started um, cutting down and, and working on my, my, trees and splitting wood right so whatever whatever it is for us to not have a why is just which which we know right in this environment there's a lot of mental um wellness concerns because so many people have their why taken from them and uh i mean that's basically what it is you know uh like i said a hundred of my life and now it's 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 things that it's things that excite me and prioritizing my life to make sure that the things that excite me get done. Simply, I mean, making sure that I see my daughter often. She lives downtown Columbus and my sons and the conversations that should happen. And I think life can, life can get away from us if we don't. It's like, well, I didn't get to that today. Well, that's okay if that's not something in your life that you hold dear to you, that you're willing to die for. Like prioritize my day. Here are the things I'm willing to die for. Those things are getting done. And some other things I may miss, but that's not that. That's okay. Did you say Rook? I knew yeah, you like were going <laughs> to. Yeah, Coach Ryan, we got a long way to go with this guy. So I've heard walking. Guys like a good Rook for a while. <laughs> not not this guy. <laughs> this guy, maybe, but he doesn't know what it is. I figure, I mean, I can put two and two together. I've heard walking. No, so so basically, it's it's a weighted. Well, his is a weighted vest, but you know, it's 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 carrying on. It's a military term, right? A ruck. It's a military term. Yeah, thank you. See, look, I'm on. I knew it, you, but you I, got wanted, lucky. I needed I mean, to confirm. He, he got lucky with that one, coach. No, I know Listen, what it is. I, I'm not even sure of the definition. I was hoping I used the right word there, the right spot. So it sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's a ruck. Yeah. So um, all right. Oh right, well, good. Well, we're gonna get to uh, 
to rapid fire here. Um, and I'm going to kick it off here. And you had mentioned it earlier, kind of spoiled this one a little bit. Uh, how did you celebrate the national championship when you won in, uh, 2015? Uh, well, we went to, we had a tremendous event afterward. I'll tell you what, the first thing that happened to me when we won, when I knew that mathematically they couldn't, we, we couldn't be caught. It was in my, probably one of the most emotional moments of my life. And I share this in a book a little bit, but basically I just, uh, when I got the text that we won on points, uh, the thing that hit me was that was the, was the interaction, the, the intertwining of chosen and unchosen suffering, right? At that moment, I just was reflecting on how many people, the alumni, the donors, the team, the years of, of, of hard work went into this championship. Uh, but also the unchosen suffering of what I experienced because it was 2015, 11 years earlier, and how those two immediately clashed for me. So it was a really incredibly emotional, it was probably about two minutes. I went behind a curtain and just cried my eyes out for about two minutes. And I came out of the curtain and just celebrated what's just an amazing, I mean, Buckeye Nation is unbelievable. I mean, I've been, I've coached in Indiana and, and I've been at Syracuse and Hofstra and I've been at University of Iowa. But man, the love of Buckeye Nation is something special. So it's real. It was amazing. It was an amazing, uh, it was an amazing time. And then, and I know this is long, it's supposed to be quick, it's supposed to be quick, uh, quick, quick answers. It's all good. But I remember as soon as I got home, and this true story, absolutely true, we get back to the, we get back to my house. I got the trophy. I carried it in my house. I put the trophy on my, on my, on my kitchen table. I went to let my dogs out. They wouldn't go out because the grass was filled with the snow had melted over the four or five days at the Nationals. And I went outside and I picked up dog crap for about two and a half hours. <laughs> and that was the way I spent the 12 hours after winning a national championship. And I always jokingly say, I said, Urban Meyer would have never done that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, he has someone to do that for him. That's oh, great. That's that great. Fantastic. Um, all right. One more. Yeah. Yes, you have one more. What's the craziest thing you ever did to cut weight? I told Coach Gable I would make 149 and a half um, for this international event. Um, and I weighed, at the time the, the weight cut started, I had uh, 24 hours to make the weight. And I was, uh, I was 149 and a half. I was 21 over. And I made the weight. In 24 hours? That was the, yeah, in 24 hours. I lost about 21 pounds. Yes. Yeah, so that was, uh, I ran, I just ran and didn't stop running. So it was, uh, I made the weight and you could probably guess how well I competed, but I told him I would do it and I wanted to make sure that I did it. So that's, uh, the most weight I've ever cut and, uh, probably one of the dumber things I've done. No more. Man, I have no more questions. After if, that. if I, if I could just do that to the you dad, you need bot, to do that today. Yeah. If I could, do, <laughs> if I could drop 21 in a day, I would I be a happy man. You can't. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I did have one more. I think he's trying to cut off. I think this is a good one. And I, I are you, because I think your oldest is around 28, is that right? 28 years old. Are you ready to be, and I don't think you're a grandpa yet, are you ready to be a grandpa? I cannot wait. You know, I, I, I you know, my, my written goals, one of my written goals, which is why, you know, you try to take care of yourself every day, is I want to be here. You know, I believe, right, every, every daughter and son should have someone willing to die for them on this planet. And that'll be me as long as I'm alive. And, um, one of my goals, written goals, is to be able to crush my grandchildren when they're seniors on the wrestling. I love so it. That's a that's a written goal that I want to be fit enough and tough enough that I can still grand pop up can whip up on them. 
I like it. And I wouldn't bet against this guy. No doubt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would not bet. Um, quick shout out, because we always talked about his Chaminade, Julian Eagles High School. Right now, not only Buckeye Nation is fantastic, Blue Ace Nation is helping host our Ohio State wrestling team here. So shout out to my Blue Aces. And if you see Coach wearing his ruck coming down the uh, the uh, path right next to their workout facility, you know, give them a wave. Actually, the Decker, mom, mom and Papa Decker still live there, my parents. So maybe we'll have the, the wrestling team over if we're allowed. I don't know how that works, but either or. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, we're uh, super, super excited. I know you have to be, uh, you know, during quarantine that they've been, uh, you know, moving groups around. So that's a pretty cool story. I didn't know you guys were out in Granville, which is my hometown. And uh, I mean, unique times is, is unique circumstances, but it sounds like you guys are making the most of it. You're plugging yourself. Here. Uh, I am plugging myself. I love Granville. I get my Christmas tree there. Yes, <laughs> there we go. More Granville. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, mean, I, I hate that. I'm, I'm not trying to make pop them up anymore, but I, I really like it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, we got to clip this and make sure it's sent the Blue Ace Nation. But no, on, on a, you know, thank you, Coach. You took a lot of time out of your your schedule to be with us today, and we appreciate you supporting the Underdog Podcast and your journey, and and then how Teague. You know, I'll end with this is something another quote I I found, and you know, is is trying to f- summarize how we could conclude this podcast. But I think you know the overall theme, and there's many things we could touch upon, but um, that Teague can is making a difference. Uh, that can save uh, what they found that could save another human life. So he's continuing to impact lives. Um, like you said, life is more than just the current, but as we leave this earth and I think you're going to do the same, obviously Teague did it. And uh, we really appreciate, you know, you being open and direct with our listeners. And, and I think everyone will be better after they listen to this podcast. So can't thank you enough. No, good to be with you guys. Absolutely. Now, Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Now, how can uh, how can our viewers, you know, follow you social media platforms? I'm Buckeye158 on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, Buckeye158. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great. And a great follow, by the way. I started strolling down. So great content, positive, motivating content. So give, sure. give Coach a follow and uh, best of luck moving forward, Coach. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We'll see you later. All right. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.